everybody. Welcome to Two Minutes and Beyond, the podcast where we review the Toy Story movies two minutes at a time. I'm Bianca, and this is Macy. Hello. And in this episode, we are talking about minutes nine and ten of Toy Story. So let's just go ahead and jump into it. Sounds good. Alrighty, so we start off this clip with Slinky finishing his line from the last two minutes and saying that Woody has never steered them wrong before, while Potato Head is kissing his own rear end with his detached mouth, which I still think is funny that they put in there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Snake, Little Tyke, and Mr. Spell laugh, and he has his little monotone ha-ha-ha voice, and he has his little... Uh, ha 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 going across his screen that's so funny i just like i just like mr spell i do too i you know all of the on his screen yes all of the little inanimate objects that you wouldn't think would come to life mm-hmm. i i really like those characters didn't mr spell show up in one of the forky asked the question i think so thing? I need to rewatch those. I haven't watched them since pretty much when they came out. I I haven't rewatched all of them recently. I did not too long ago watch the What? No. One. Oh gosh. I love that one with his cup friend. <laughs> that <laughs> that has so to funny. be one of my most favorite ones. My most favorite Forky asks the question is the the what is love where they're doing the like the love triangle with Cheryl Burnett (laughs) yeah that's funny that was my favorite that one makes me laugh every single time I don't care if I've seen it five times that day I will laugh every single time (laughs) okay so moving on at the four second mark Woody says, come on, guys, every Christmas and birthday, we go through this. Rex looks worried and says, what if Andy gets another dinosaur? A mean one. I just don't think I can take that kind of rejection. (laughs) That makes me laugh every time that I hear poor Rex say this because he is just so opposite of what a dinosaur is. (laughs) Rex says, um... The representation for people with anxiety. (laughs) Yes, and I think I deeply relate to Rex on a spiritual level because I have some form of anxiety. And just hearing him, I'm like, okay, he feels it too. (laughs) I like his line in Toy Story 4 where he says, The panic is attacking me! (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Woody tries to assure them that no one is getting replaced. He comes down from the podium and walks towards them. It doesn't matter how much we're played with. And he stops by the microphone cord being too short, which I think is funny, too, because he (laughs) had already told the poor little dude to walk away. And then he's walking. And, of course, he's not going to follow him because he's thinking, well, I can't get too close to him again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. I thought Mr. Mike just wasn't paying attention. I feel like it may have been a little bit of that, but also a little bit of, like, he already yelled at me once. Or not even yelled, but (laughs) he already said something once. So I'm just going to stand here and be a good little microphone. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it, because it kind of looked like he wasn't paying attention there for a second. 
So I thought that's what I thought he just didn't notice that when he was walking away. But I think yours makes what you said makes more sense. <laughs> I wonder if they space out. I wonder if toys have the capability of spacing out. I would think so. I mean, I mean he probably did just space out. <laughs> Well, moving along, after Mr. Mike rushes over to Woody, Woody says, what matters is that we're here for Andy when he needs this, and that's what we're here for, right? Which, like, Woody is the biggest hypocrite in this movie. He is. He's a very hypocritical, borderline neurotic toy. Mm -hmm. He needs everything to be perfect. He is the epitome of a perfectionist. Well, here he is telling everyone that, you know, it doesn't matter how much we're played with. It just matters that we're here for Andy. And then the second Buzz shows up, it's like all that goes out the window and he freaks out. I feel like something got overridden in his brain saying it's survival of the fittest now. And, you know, jealousy is a very powerful emotion. It's... Mm-hmm. You know, it can range anywhere from, like, someone just being like, oh, wow, I wish I had that, to where you go to an extreme level and you're acting like Woody with Buzz. Yeah, and I feel like he probably also just never thought that, you know, any that he never thought that anything could challenge, you know, his... His place as the favorite toy. Yeah. So like when that something does come along and, and challenges it, he feels like that's a threat. Yeah. He could be very threatened with that. I feel like even in real life, people feel like that, especially at jobs when they're like, well, I'm irreplaceable. You can't do this job without me. Mm-hmm. But everybody's expendable and then when you think about it every toy is expendable and kids start to lose interest very fast when a shiny new toy comes along Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that they are not gonna love their other toys but they have the interest of the new toy right now because it's shiny and new yeah and what do you He's just being a giant hypocrite because he doesn't, I don't, when when he says that um, it only matters that Andy, that they're there for Andy, then he just doesn't, it seems like he doesn't actually believe that based on how he acts later. I know. I mean, I can understand when you're trying to tell people something. It's like giving good advice, but then you don't take your own advice. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's. (laughs) kind of what's going on i don't know i also i love the little the look that woody gives mr mike when he (laughs) comes forward i feel like that poor little dude just he can't catch a break in the few seconds that we see him for the entire movie he cannot catch a break he's trying his best (laughs) (laughs) he Um, he really is i feel like he he should be toy of the month if they have like an employee of the month thing he should be toy of the month he should 
I, I noticed there's like a continuity error, I think, like between a couple of shots at like 30 seconds, like in one shot, like right at the end of what Woody's saying in one shot, his hand is down and then it cuts to another shot and his hand is immediately up. Oh, I didn't notice that. I yeah, feel like that's a big, not too big, but that's a big enough noticeable. Well, for me, it's not noticeable because I'm spaced out every single time I watch a movie. <laughs> um, yeah, it happens like right after he says, that's what we're here for, right? And it, it's always bugged me, though I didn't, I didn't always know like why, why it bugged me. I, I, and I couldn't figure out like what what was wrong with it until probably until watching this clip. I feel like certain things are more noticeable than other things. Like for that, that probably I just didn't notice it. But when you're watching other movies with bigger continuity errors, especially like um, one example I like using is for the wizard of Oz, Dorothy's hair length keeps changing. Oh, I because never uh, yes, because they filmed it during different times and they filmed different parts at different times of the year and her hair was growing. So it kind of, it's not too dramatic. Keep track of how long. Yes. Yeah, so you can keep track of what they filmed and how long it was actually taking because her hair length is changing. Wow. It's really interesting to see it. And once you pick it up, you can never not see it. So now every time I watch The Wizard of Oz, I keep looking at her hair length. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to keep an eye out for that next time I watch it. I know. I probably ruined the movie for you. (laughs) That's okay. Alrighty. So at the 31 second stamp... Ham interrupts, saying, pardon me, I hate to break up the staff meeting, but they're here! Birthday guests at 3 o'clock! And I love the way that everybody loses their mind. It just goes... It's like the lyrics for the song Ballroom Blitz, where it's a man in the back said everybody attack, and it turned into a ballroom blitz. (laughs) I don't know that song. Oh my gosh, you're going to have to. I'm going to look for it. I'm going to send it to you because that's literally the lyrics of the song. And that's (laughs) Ham. He's the man in the back saying everyone attack. (laughs) (laughs) So after everybody loses their mind, Woody tries to tell them to stay calm, but it doesn't do any good. Everyone makes a break for the window and almost tramples over Woody as they're trying to look at all of the guests coming. In the audio commentary for this scene, they said that the animator Doug Sweetland, who work on who worked on this scene, um, it took him so long to finish it. The part where like everybody basically runs over Woody, it took him so long to finish it that um, to finish the scene that he had his own. When he finished it, he had his own like little wrap party with chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame him. When there's such a big project and you finally get it done, you feel so accomplished. You want to celebrate it. Yeah. There's so many toys and so much happening like in that little scene there. I can't imagine how long it must have taken. It must have taken a long time. And then considering this is the first computer animated movie 
this mm-hmm. is like you see it and you don't really consider all of the work it went in. You just see all the toys running around everywhere and you're like, oh yeah, that's chaos. But you don't realize that somebody had to animate each and every frame of that. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. At the 40-second timestamp, the microphone gets pulled out of Woody's hand and Woody says, uh, meeting adjourned to Lenny, who's trailing behind everyone else. It cuts to some of the toys on top of the shelf looking out the window at all the kids carrying presents outside. Potato Head's view is blocked by Ham and Slinky, so he pulls his eyes out of his head and holds them up so he can see. (laughs) You notice how it conveniently, it doesn't show how Rex and the robot were able to get up to the top of the shelf. I know. How do all these toys get up? I can understand action figures. I can even understand Mm -hmm. Slinky with his little Slinky just going up. But everybody else, they're clunky, they're heavy, they're round like Potato Head, and I don't understand how any of these toys are getting up. They don't. They have either very short limbs or they just can't do much with their limbs. I know. And I'm thinking to myself, do they have like a secret stairway in the back of the the shelf or behind they Andy's help each bed. other up somehow probably like they get on top of each other or maybe they use like up. the barrel of monkeys <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> i don't know there's a little tyke that's being held up to the top of the shelf by like the in the thing at the top of the, yeah. the fire truck ladder but i don't think the ladder could actually be that tall, as tall as it would need to be to get up to the top of the shelf. And I saw that later at like a minute, seven seconds, um, there's a shot where you can see part of the ladder going up to the top of the shelf, but you can't see the fire truck or the ground. And it's still, it still just doesn't look tall enough. It looks like they, they cheated it a little bit. (laughs) They probably, what they did with all these little tykes, just like threw the truck up on like the second part of the shelf and then they went up right there (laughs) oh my gosh that's crazy i never noticed or like i noticed the little tyke there i saw him going up on the ladder but i never Mm -hmm. thought to connect that that where's the truck (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like hovering like a few inches above the ground oh my gosh i and that's going to mess with me every time I see that. <laughs> and I love how Mr. Potato Head is innovative in that he takes his eyes out. Oh, yeah. I, it feels like I... Did you ever watch Ah Real Monsters? Mm, no, I don't think so. Okay, well, it was a show on Nickelodeon, and there was a monster that would hold his eyes. He didn't have, oh. like, sockets to put... It was just his body. He looked like a chicken nugget with arms and legs. And he didn't have anywhere to put his eyes, so he'd hold on to them all the time. And whenever he would look around, he had his arms up and he was, you know, with his eyes right there. And that's what that (laughs) reminds me of. That sounds like it could be a Monsters, Inc. character. It does, really. Like, when you think about it, it's like, yeah, that looks like something. And then I'm like, "Would, would you lose your eyeballs that way? I feel like I would be terrible. I'm always losing everything. I feel like I would never be able to see again because I'd lose my eyeballs. You know, I was thinking I I had a Mrs. Potato Head as a kid, and 
I'm pretty sure that some of her parts ended up missing. I think I had a Mrs. Potato Head and my brother had Mr. And I, I, I can't imagine that they, that we somehow managed to keep all their parts together. Okay, so moving on. At 50 seconds, the toys watch the kids carry the presents inside and freak out about how big the presents are. Slinky spots one that looks small until the kid turns and reveals how long it is. And they all freak out again and start opening and closing the blinds in panic, which I always was mad about this part because I was like, the kids can look up and see the blinds moving. That was one of the things I was going to say. I was like, how is no one seeing this? Exactly. And then you can hearing them scream. Exactly. I was going to say, you can probably hear, and then Andy, if he's inside, can probably hear all the ruckus going up in his room. I've always wondered, like when Andy's at school and the toys are you know, just living their little life in the room. Can Andy's mom hear them if she's a stay-at-home mom or if she works from home? Can she hear the ruckus going on upstairs and just thinks it's a ghost and just doesn't question it? I would guess that if they know someone's in the house and they try to be quiet, but like they're well, like there he goes out the window because they're <laughs> someone's in the house and they're screaming. <laughs> I mean, I hope for their sake that mom doesn't work from home or stay at home so that they can move around the house, I guess, and not be cooped up in the one room. Exactly. I feel bad. Like, would that be like a prison for them? (laughs) I don't know. Or would they just be okay with it? Another thing is, what is in that package that's so, that looks small, but then it's long? Yes, that, I was going to point that out too. I was like, is that a fishing pole or something and then i think like is it a projector screen is this kid just getting him like the fanciest tech there is for the 90s i have no idea my best guess is fishing pole or something like that but even then that seems kind of long for a fishing pole it does and then i thought about it like what if it's a tent kit like you know how they have like the poles and then it's just the the fabric that's in there, so you just take everything out and assemble it. So I thought about that, too. Like, maybe it's a hmm. tent. Maybe. That's ridiculous. Who gets them a long box like that? <laughs> but they, the toys have kind of fallen into the, the trap of thinking that, like, bigger presents equals better presents. This is true. But you could also be getting a laundry basket. That's been wrapped. <laughs> and then you could have a a tiny, like a small action figure that fits into a little box. Exactly. So, I don't know. I think it's because the way children think. Children think bigger is better. So the bigger box yeah. you get, you get a bigger toy and that's better. So that's probably why they put that with the toys to be like that. Because that's the way children think. Yeah, they're probably also just panicking too. <laughs> Of course, they're, you know, I would love to see their faces if when they open that long package, it's one of those noodly inflatable flailing arm guys. <laughs> Are you going to rank to that? <laughs> it could be a pool noodle, too. It could be a pool noodle. I don't noodle. know why someone would give someone just a single pool noodle inside one a box. One single but- noodle in a box. <laughs> <laughs> I would, you know what, I'm going to do that. The next person that has a birthday... I'm going to just 
<laughs> buy a single noodle and send it to them. <laughs> I think it's funny that both, um, well, I was going to ask, like, what is it about the long present that, like, suddenly scares everyone so much? Because, like, even Ham and Slinky, who, like, at that, up until then, they had both been pretty composed. Even they start to freak out after that. Like, what was it about the long present specifically that made everyone lose their minds? Maybe for Slinky, he thinks like, well, I'm long. So if that's a present that that's long, maybe it's a longer Slinky and longer Slinkies made more fun. <laughs> I don't know. And for Ham, I don't know. Maybe it's coin rollers. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of coin rollers. <laughs> but I was just like, why all of the... Like Slinky says, there's a little, nice little one over there. And then it, the kid turns around and you see how long it is. And everyone just like starts screaming, it seems like. And I'm like, why why that one specific? Why does that one specifically make uh, scare everyone so much? Maybe it's just that they weren't expecting it to be long. <laughs> and it's like the the cat with the cucumber reflex that they just freak out. <laughs> I know. They freak out to the point where they start opening and closing the blinds. And who's doing that? I wonder oh. who decided to just grab the, the blind thing and just start moving it like crazy. On, I want to look and see like who's on who's the side closest the to that. Blind. It, um, depending on which side the, the pull thing is, the thing that you pull, mm-hmm. it's either Rex or the robot. I feel like it would be Rex. Rex sounds like he would do something irrational like that. Probably. <laughs> oh my gosh. Maybe that's something that he does to calm his anxiety down. Maybe that's just like a little stim for him. <laughs> he's freaking he out and he's stimming. And pulls, on, and pulls on the open and closes the blinds. Oh my gosh. That would be so funny if that was like one of his stims and he's just <laughs> freaking out and like instead of blowing into a brown paper bag he's just moving the blinds (laughs) oh my god this poor dinosaur poor rex oh gosh well moving along at 107 (laughs) woody watches them all from the floor and just face palms he's he's already done with everyone at this point he yells, all right, all right, if I send out the troops, will you all calm down? And Rex says they will. And I love the way he does. He's like, yes, yes, we promise. <laughs> promise. He goes crazy. I'm like, oh, my gosh, these, these poor little toys. Well, Woody tells them to save their batteries. And Ham says, very good, Woody, that's using the old noodle, <laughs> the packaged pool noodle. <laughs> I like that the little toys on that save your batteries. I know that I like that they use little things like that, like something that they would say or that would relate to them. That's really Mm -hmm. cute. Um, Like pull my string is kind of like that. Yes. Toy Story 4 and what he says, shoots and ladders. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my Um, gosh. um, Is this the, the first time we see like really angry, like over dramatic Woody, because angry yes. over dramatic Woody is one of my favorite versions I of Woody. I absolutely love 
the sassy jerk Woody. It's my favorite. I mean, I love seeing his character progress in the movies, but the very beginning, just his, that he's a little ball of rage. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he's just ready to explode at any moment. And that's my favorite. (laughs) His arms are going like, just going everywhere. And he's like, literally, what are you saying? If I send out the troops, will you all calm down? He's like... (laughs) His arms are like almost touching the ground. The ground. I feel like in one of his little meeting sessions, he needs to start an anger management class, and he needs to attend that because he does have anger issues. <laughs> but that's why we love him. I mean, you can't not love an angry cowboy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, if you listen closely, um. When everyone's freaking out, you can hear Mr. Spell saying, Spell, trash can. (laughs) (laughs) That's depressing. (laughs) I never knew he said that. I didn't either. That was another thing I never noticed until listening to it with headphones in. Man, I'm going to have to watch this movie just all the way through with headphones. (laughs) Um, He and Forky would get along. Oh, yes, definitely. But I feel like Mr. Spell doesn't want to go into the trash can. He just is afraid that he's going to end up in the trash. He's going to be in the trash can. So there's a little bit of difference there, but he might get along with Forky. I think so. (laughs) So at 121, Woody climbs into the bed and tells Sarge, who is standing on the nightstand, to establish a recon post downstairs, Code Red. You know what to do. Sarge responds with a salute and a yes, sir, and jumps down to the bucket of soldiers. He says, all right, men, you heard him. Code red. Repeat, we're at a code red. Recon plan, Charlie. Execute. Let's move, 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 move. I love these little soldiers. I love them so much. I noticed that, like, with the gap between the bed and the nightstand... I don't feel like Woody, when he's giving Sarge's orders, could be as close to the nightstand as he is and still this be sitting true. on the bed. Like, he's I feel like, like he's levitating <laughs> between. He's ominously looming towards Sarge. <laughs> like, he's just like some giant entity. <laughs> I was also wondering, like, is that just that spot on the nightstand just where like Sarge has positioned himself because he was he was there earlier too when uh Woody asked him if he's seen Slinky. Oh that's like, right. That he's there too. His- maybe that is like his little spot or maybe he just stands there in case Woody needs to give him orders and so that's just like his base. Well I was thinking because like Woody's spot is is the bed. So maybe if Sarge is like his sort of second in command, I guess, then then Sarge like stays there on the nightstand to probably to take so that would make the most sense because you know if Woody needs him, he's not going to be looking all over the bedroom for him. So that's just like his established spot. That's just his his position. <laughs> It's like his base. It's his little army base right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Or maybe he just happened to be there. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Just chilling on the nightstand. Would you like to hear some some history about the Green Army Men? Oh, I would love to. Originally, the Green Army Men were actually made out of metal. And the first American plastic toy soldiers were made by Bergen Toy and Novelty Company. I I didn't write down the date, but I, if I remember right, it was like the late 30s. And according to the Wikipedia page for Army Men, it says the economy of plastic sold in bulk, popularity of Army Men and competition with manufacturers led to Army Men being sold in large bags by Mark's Tim Me Toys and NPC for as little as a penny apiece in the mid-1960s. Um, and then it it says that sales and availability of military toys started to decline uh, during the Vietnam War because of the unpopularity of the war and the higher prices of plastics from the 1973 oil crisis. Well, that makes sense, though, because during that time, they were trying to keep all their resources available, too, so they couldn't really be manufacturing toys at that time, too. Mm-hmm. September of 2019, BMC Toys, a maker, like one of the company that companies that makes Army Men, announced that they would uh, make Army Women in 2020. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. About so, time. I haven't seen an Army Woman yet. I don't think I have either. I think that's it for the history of the Army Men. I've got some stuff about... Sarge's actor, Arlie, Arlie Ermey. Ooh. He was an actor and a Marine. He enlisted in the United States Marine Corps in 1961 at the age of 17. He served in the aviation support field for a few years before becoming a drill instructor. And after that, he served in Okinawa, Japan, and in South Vietnam until he retired in 1972 due to injuries. He, he was in the movies Apocalypse Now, Full Metal Jacket, and many others, and appeared in episodes of Miami Vice, Tales from the Crypt, Murder in the First, The X-Files, The Simpsons, Family Guy, Scrubs, House, SpongeBob, SquarePants, and many more. He was also in a few video games, including Crash Bandicoot, Wrath of Cortex, Fallout Tactics, Brothers of Steel, and Call of Duty Ghosts, and a couple others, and... He unfortunately passed away in 2018. That's all according to Wikipedia. That's a lot of stuff he was in. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. Yeah, I didn't know he was in a Crash Bandicoot game. I know, I didn't either. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. So moving along. (laughs) At 1.38, the other toys watch as the Green Army men march out of the room... It cuts to the hallway outside Auntie's door. The door creaks open and an army man appears, checks that the coast is clear, and signals to one of the other army men who comes out, runs to the top of the staircase, peers around the corner of the wall at the top of the staircase, and signals to the other men that it's okay to come out. About half a dozen army men come out carrying a play school baby monitor, and another three carrying a tied up jump rope 
It cuts to a shot of the army men marching across the hallway and pans over to show a couple of paratroopers hiding behind some pillars in the hallway. And it cuts off there. I want to know, how did they open that bedroom door? See, that's what I want to know, too. These toys are acting as if they own the place. And they know how to open all the doors. They could probably go outside, too, if they need to, which they do. So I'm like, how did they learn how to open all this stuff with their tiny stature? Well, and at the end of Toy Story 2, when they're trying to let Buster out, Jesse, Jesse, uh, what does she do? She get she jumps on the the racetrack, and then jump and f- flies up to the the doorknob and and has to turn it. Yeah, for her, I can see because she's bigger. She's got she, hands. She's got hands, and she's a little more flexible than a little plastic argument. Maybe they used the barrel of monkeys <laughs> went up there. I don't know. They'd have to have gone pretty quick. I maybe the door I don't I was gonna say maybe the door is like slightly cracked already, but I don't think so. I don't know. I never I think paid attention to the door. I think it's just movie logic. <laughs> yeah, logic. I think so. It's just to keep the flow of the movie going. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I have to say about about this clip. Yeah, me too. I, there's not really too much going on. I mean, yeah, there's a lot going on, but mm-hmm. it's not like one of the key moments yet. Yeah. I think we're going to be getting to that really soon, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, I mean, we started the Green Army Man scene, but most of it takes place in next week's clip, so... We're going to wait till until then to talk about some of the details of that scene. Yeah, that sounds good. That'll give us a lot of good content to talk about, considering that next week's clip is going to be majority of the, the little green army men. Yeah. Well, I guess it's time to sign off. I guess so. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to follow our Facebook and Twitter accounts and send us an email if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.